I've been averting my eyes and deflecting now for about 14 months every time somebody talks about uh, the future of the show. Because this went on a long, there's been a lot of planning leading up to this. But one of the plans was to convince Evan Bray that when he had the opportunity to retire, he should do that because we'd like him to host the show. So that's how far back this goes. When Chief Bray retired several months ago, you know, people were saying, you're still a young guy. You're in your early, well, I won't tell you his age, him to that, but, you know, he's much younger than me. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? You're going to sit at home and you know, do needlepoint all day? Well, uh, no. Um, the plan was to work things that we would end this year with me leaving, Evan taking over, and uh, this is going to be exciting. Now, I just want to say for those of you, and we've had some funny notes, and of course, like anything else that's derivative of change, when it, it hasn't happened yet, so first of all, that which you're accustomed to is changing, and none of us take change well, but then we start to say, well, I don't like, we haven't encountered what's new yet. So, you, know, you don't live your life that way. You know, I'd ask you, I'm going to be listening to Evan. Let me put it that way. So, you know, give the guy a, a listen. He's not me. He'll never will be me, and he shouldn't be me. So, but here's the story, and, and I did laugh. God help us if there's an illegal labor dispute somewhere around your studios. <laughs> <laughs> a host will be unable to say anything. And I, okay, and that's the only one I'm going to address because Evan and I got pretty cross threaded on two occupations. Uh, one was the uh, famous uh, tents in Wascana Park, the uh, teepee protests. You remember that? In fact, the teepee protests where the activists uh, all got together and occupied Wascana Park. Uh, Kicked, you know, people weren't able to have Canada Day celebrations. Uh, there was also another offshoot of that, you remember. Angry Gormley listener. Uh, the very hardcore left wing NDP leader, you know, some people showed up one day and disturbed these uh, uh, angels who were in, you know, the teepees doing all the activism, and he pinned it on. Angry Gormley listener. So, that, you know, that was that. But I pushed Evan Bray really hard on that because my view, where I sit, was there were certain laws being breached, you had to jump in. Then a couple of years later, the lockout at the refinery in Regina and Jerry Diaz, oh, remember him? Jerry drinking duckhorn uh, fancy wine Diaz, who's went out with rather a cloud over his head, implicated in, do you remember, 50,000 cash and paper bags for COVID testing kits? Oh, that Jerry Diaz. So Diaz and his group from Ottawa were in, and you know, I said, look, you can't lock down the refinery, bring the cops in, end this. And Evan Bray was much more deliberate and considered. A police chief has a lot of competing imperatives. So Evan professionally as the police chief made certain calls, I, as a radio talk show host, disagreed with, and we went back and forth. And one of the enduring things about Evan, and I can tell you this, and I don't mean to tell tales out of school, I pushed him so hard a couple of times, I was a little worried that maybe you know I had gone over a bridge and then burnt it on my way over. And it's just not good with someone like a police chief, because we're always dealing with public figures on the show, and you know I give as good as I get. But I thought, geez, maybe I did go a little hard on him. And people were, you know, phoning him. Do you hear what Gormley said today? Um, I get a call one day on my phone. And it's Evan. And he says, hey, I don't take things personally, do you? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was, you know, the idea that let's keep this going. And I mean, that's a character attribute to me. I mean, people, that's a man of character. So that was another reason that I've known Evan for many, many years, and I, I like him. And I'm a big fan. So don't like what I'm saying. As a radio show host, he's no longer a police chief. The police commission, all of the attendant participants in the public space of policing and security and these things don't influence a talk show host. So for the listener who said, God help us if we have a, an illegal labor, well, Evan as a talk show host will handle himself really well. And I just get the feeling Evan as a talk show host and Evan as a police chief, same character, same humanity, same good person, but you're going to take it from different perspectives, if you know what I mean. So um, that's all I'm going to say, other than I am so pumped Evan Bray is going to be taking over in this chair. He's not going to be taking over this show. He will do a four-hour show starting 8.30 in the morning on Monday, the 27th of November, and I wish him nothing but well. All right, you name it, Bugs Day, the Hour of Rage is where we talk about the things every single day that you're wearing you down, they're bugging you. Brian in Saskatoon, thanks for hanging on. Uh, Remembrance Day is coming. What's got you bugged? Well, first of all, congratulations on your impending retirement. You've had a good run. Well, thank you, sir. But um, yeah, I was in Superstore the other day. I was fairly busy, probably laid my eyes on 50 people. And uh, there was myself and one other old couple were the only ones of that whole bunch that were wearing poppies. Um, half of them were visual minorities. I'm not sure when they immigrated here, but is Canada Customs not doing their job in uh, informing them? On some of the customs, you know, that maybe uh, they should be uh, processing in our uh, countries. And as far as the people that were born here, or they should just out now know better. Yeah. You know, it's interesting with immigration. Uh, England is a good example. England's a good example, Brian. You know, England's got a, you know, it has had for decades more immigration from uh, not just developing countries, but South Asia. Uh, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, as we do. Uh, of course, Africa, India is a, uh, sorry, England is a country made of immigrants. In fact, Rishi Sunak, who's the prime minister, comes from South Asian uh, heritage. And England and Canada are the two places where people really wear poppies. In England, many people culturally, as you emigrate and you start to fit in, you adopt local customs. So we've had a huge wave of immigration here only really the last, uh, what, 14, 15 years? So I don't know if it's in the manual, but I think culturally, uh, and I'm not in any way disparaging anybody who's a newcomer, we value you, we welcome you, and we're glad you're in Saskatchewan. But you're right. In Canada, we're a country that commemorates Remembrance Day by the wearing of a poppy. In the U.S., um, is it Veterans Day? Yeah, Memorial Day is May. Veterans Day uh, is marks the contribution of veterans. It marks those fallen in war, just like our armistice slash Remembrance Day. But the Americans don't wear poppies. So part of it's the washover of American culture. Part of it's people generationally, born and raised in Saskatchewan of Saskatchewan families, don't wear poppies. It doesn't take much. And 
the money from those poppy boxes, of course, goes to some very good causes with the Royal Canadian Legion. So don't make this about, oh, newcomers don't wear poppies. Maybe newcomers to Canada haven't had the opportunity yet or the education yet to, you know, we wear poppies. That's what we do. That's the way we roll as Canadians. This is 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey, bud, what's your problem? No way, boy, you bother me. Don't do that! Bugs Day, the hour of rage. You name it, if it bugs you here and now, let's chat. 877-332-8255. And sometimes the things that bug you might be big, weighty, significant matters of state. Other times, it might just be one of those picky, bothersome things that are driving you around the bend. All right, to the calls. Here now, Jerry in Saskatoon. What's got you bugged? Well, I think it's more NDP indoctrination. And when I think of, um, you know, uh, contrary to what Elphinstone NDP raised by a left-wing socialist uh, professor, Karen Blah Blah Conway says... This is a great country with tremendous opportunities. Yeah. It's not great if you're hooked on fentanyl and living in a tent, but you know what? You can go get a job and you can clean yourself up at any AA or NA meeting and start participating. But we owe a debt of gratitude to our veterans, and I think people need to be very mindful going into this next calendar year that uh, we got a great place here. John, thank you very much. Uh, over the years, we have disagreed. You have changed my mind on a lot of things, but at least got me to think. With the NDP, those people are not, they're not bred to think. They're adversarial. They, they feed off of resentment and divisiveness. And people just need to remember where we are. This is a great place, great economy, wonderful place to raise a family and live, work, and play. And congratulations on your retirement and uh, best continued health, I hope. Well, thank you very much. Much appreciated, and uh, thank you for your kind words. You know, he makes an interesting point, and this is where political opposition parties have to be careful. I mean, opposition parties, by their nature, oppose the government, and that doesn't, you know, left, right, center, it doesn't matter. On the political left, it's trickier. He was mentioning Mira Conway, and Mira, uh, intelligent young lawyer, uh, married, of course, to a guy, I remember Nick, the school teacher, who just randomly asks all his students in photography class about their pronouns and their gender. Good Lord. Um, uh, John Conway's daughter, and John, of course, was the ultra-left-wing uh, academic at the U of R, school trustee for years. So this is more a question of a political framework. So when you are in the neo-Marxist camp, and how did Marxism work, and how did Marxism succeed? Well, of course, it never has succeeded. But how did it succeed in Venezuela, in Cuba? And the textbook case of Marxism, of course, was the Soviet Union. You need class struggle. So, of course, when Karl Marx wrote Das Kapital and the Communist Manifesto in the late 1800s, it was interesting. The Industrial Revolution was underway. The means of production and the wealth we're in the hands of a fairly small concentrated group. The rest of us were working hard six days a week at least, sometimes seven, and poor. So the argument was the bourgeois capitalists who owned the means of production, you had to wrestle away from them the means of production and give them to the lumpen proletariat. So it was class struggle based on wealth. Those days are over now. 
we still have poverty, absolutely. As that caller mentioned, we still have addictions. We still have people uh, in significantly displaced lifestyles. But the average citizen today, and I'll even give a shout out to the unions, thanks in large part to unions pushing uh, governments with, uh, I mean, you don't work six days a week now. We have legislated hours of work. We have, but we have a society where capitalism has made things better. All boats were floated higher. Or as a caller once said, you know, to frame Karl Marx, workers of the world unite, throw off your chains, you have nothing to lose but your motorhomes. Um, so the idea of class struggle based on wealth is really hard. So the neo-Marxists on the left do this thing based on critical race theory, uh, racial differences, uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, the idea that it's a terrible place we live in if you are a person of color, if you work at a certain economic level. The whole thing has to be framed on struggle, deprivation, and the sense that it's awful. Well, if you're prepared to say you live in an awful part of Canada, I would suggest you're in real trouble. Saskatchewan and Alberta right now are trending and in existence today, doing a lot better than many other places in Canada. So if this is really, really bad, uh, I appreciate it. Are we getting health care challenges dealt with? We got lots of health care challenges. Everywhere else does, but we can't blame it. We got to fix it. Education, fix it. But the idea that Saskatchewan has become a horrible place, the NDP needs that to take traction, and then they somehow will fix it, like they fixed it in the past. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Calm down, Italy, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best, shoddily, Italy, Italy, diddly. Gotta be nice, hostility, diddly, diddly, diddly. Ah, hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap! Bugs Day, the hour of rage. Anything bugging you, take center stage here. Let's chat. 877-332-8255. Okay, uh, where do we go? Many things on the docket today. Back to the calls. Uh, oh, let's go to Carol in Harris, Saskatchewan. Carol, uh, you're watching some rural political developments. What's up? Well, um, Ray Orb going to a convention and saying that uh, we don't need a Saskatchewan police force. Or yeah, and, and it was an NDP convention. Let's be frank. The head of the Association of Rural Municipalities speaks at an NDP convention to a rousing ovation and throws the government under the bus that his group had been lobbying for a marshal's group. Exactly, John. And uh, I, um, we, have, we pay taxes in two RMs. No one asked us anything about this. And I know people that are literally scared where they're living. And uh, I just thought it was just terrible. You know, when he comes out and says something like that, that we don't want a a rural police force, I don't want 200 RMs. It's time to amalgamate them. We don't need 200 small governments in rural Saskatchewan. Yeah, well, I've I've said from the beginning, you could do with 14 or 15 counties pretty easily. But every time I say that, a number of my friends in rural government get pretty worked up. But it is what it is. It's it's, 
time to, you know, we're paying taxes for all these um, rural councillors. And I love my rural councillors. They're, they're good people, and they're giving of their time and everything else. But you've got to start looking at the money situation, and it's serious. Yeah. No, there's, they're, they're great people in rural government. So have you any intel on what possessed? I mean, okay, Mr. Orb, um, you get organizations like SARM or any of these groups, they get uh, observer status at all the political conventions, right? They yeah. aren't attached to a political party, so they go and they observe one of the NDP resolutions, one of the SAS party resolutions. But then when he gets up and talks about the marshal service being uh, the wrong approach, uh, they should be giving the money to the RCMP, which is the NDP approach. And again, I don't know if SARM formally is a group, but heck, many rural governments had been lobbying for years for a marshal service, as did people who live in the Association of Rural Municipalities area. I, yeah, like, I don't I'll get it. It's this. weird to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I, I wasn't at either convention, so I don't know what happened or anything else. But usually you're invited if you're going to speak as someone from one of the major organizations in the province. But I think um, that anyone that is associated in the SASC party government, I want to hear what their feelings are about this. Because I know there's a lot of people that were involved with SARM before. I want to know what those ministers think. Well, Dave Merritt, the Minister of Agriculture, was the head of SARM for years before Ray Orb was, right? I mean, SARM's roots in the SASC party are are pretty deep and pretty extensive. Well, and and that bothers me as a rural person, because they're making decisions for us without talking to us and uh, like uh, you know it he really just blew sarm apart in a lot of ways yeah i think so i think this well let me put it this way my advice to the sas party would be when your friends do this to you this is a grown-up moment never trust anyone (laughs) do what is best for the people and the next time sarm calls about anything nope you don't take their calls. You just move on. And if your interests align, good. You know, if you weren't going to do something SARM wants you to do, great. But when SARM starts throwing its weight around, line up behind the Federation of Labor. You know, put yourself in that perspective. And I would think, and it's a maturing, it's a maturation point for political parties. And it's tricky. Every party goes through it. 877-332-8255. Bill in Saskatoon, thanks for hanging on. It's Bugs Day. What's... Got you bugged. Well, our city council has got me bugged. I'm in Saskatoon. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know it's a long line, but uh, I, uh, like everyone else, I just got the notice that uh, that our trash collection is going to become a utility. Um, and and what used to be quote-unquote free will now cost me about $8 a month to uh, to have my, uh, my trash picked up. Um, you know, you, you t- take that over a year, and that's, that's call it 100 bucks a year. If your taxes are $3,500 a year, that's a 2.7% tax increase uh, before they even table the budget. And I don't yep. think when they're talking about a 5% tax increase, they've taken that into account. So what is what when they say 5%, what they really mean is 7.7% tax increase. Absolutely. No, it's a good point. And, this, you know, and again, you go back to first principles. What did we think 
city governments do, right? They pick they up the garbage. Like your garbage. Yeah, you know, that's in the top three, right? Um, roads, policing, fire. I mean, there's a pretty basic basket of first principles. So once you've said we can't do garbage, and we're going to set up a utility staffed and run by all city bureaucrats, uh, it's nothing but a tax grab. That's all it is. So I agree with you more. What do you think the voters are going to do about that? Well, you know, I, I I wouldn't want to be a city councilor running for re-election, that's for sure. Yeah, good point. And as uh, the mantra of this show lately has become, an 80% voter turnout replaces Charlie Biclanes Clark. It replaces all or most of the 10 councilors. You get voter turnouts under 30%. This is what you voted for. This is what you... Oh, you didn't vote for this. Oh, you didn't vote. Okay. Well, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, hey, speaking of Saskatoon, NSBA, the business organization, did a survey. Uh, that out, I don't know if you've heard about it. So they had 223 NSBA members. They had 283 non-members. And they asked a series of questions about the new downtown library. Do you support the plans to build a new downtown library in Saskatoon? Support? 8.5% strongly support, so that brings you to 18% of people are in support. 10% are neutral, 19% oppose, and 53% strongly oppose. So add that up, you are at over 70% opposition. In terms of favoring, you are at roughly... 18%. But of course, numbers like this don't mind. They don't matter because much the same numbers you'd find for bike lanes <laughs> and bike lanes run Saskatoon. So, uh, but boy, uh, it was an amazing, uh, very strong result. Then they also asked people uh, supporting an increase in the library tax. 85% opposed that. So Saskatoon's got a bit of a twister on its hands. And, of course, the same library board and the same library staff have tripled the salaries uh, and the senior, the hiring of managers. Uh, the FTEs are full-time equivalents. Check it out on the Saskatoon staffing. It is incredible. The library's gone on a hiring bench. They've also sold the existing library, and they've been unable to build a new one because the tenders all came in millions and millions over budget. So, just a management thing. 877-332-8255. This is Bugs Day, the Hour of Rage. Okay. Spencer in Regina. Uh, healthcare and how we pay for it with the government as the single payer. What do you see? Well, hi there, John. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I listened intently to your interview with Dr. Uh, Jeff. Uh, Wilkinson, um, the, the cardiologist. Yeah. Yeah, the cardiologist. And I had an experience with two-tier healthcare when I was in Thailand. I got sick with dengue fever, which you can get from mosquitoes. And when I went to see the doctor at the hospital, it cost me 65 bucks. I got my blood work done and finished in about 20 minutes. And I went and saw a doctor for another 15 minutes. And uh, the whole experience was great. And I just wish that we could replicate that model that they have in other countries. 
Yeah, it's a good point. And, and one of the things, and the Metascare culture, and if we go back to our friends in the NDP, they've made their franchise off Metascare um, and a lot of their proxies. You know, the idea that government has no place in health care, that ship has sailed. The OECD, Organization of Economic Cooperation Development, in other words, most of the industrialized countries on earth have an existing or base level government payment and support of health care. But then layered into that, they have private insurance, they have private care, they've even got competing hospitals. Because you'd be amazed. Could you imagine if you actually had competition for the dirty ER rooms at the General and at RUH? Actually, dirt in an ER. Could you could you believe that? Would your house look like those ERs look? Nope. So imagine if you had a spanky clean one and people said, well, I think I'm going to go to the clean ER, the one that doesn't have weights. What would happen? There's a competitive push. So uh, Jeff Wilkinson's doing something very, very brave. He just simply said the province, because that's the sole payer, is so underfunding things like uh, echocardiograms, um, ECGs, and he did compare, and we pay less here than Alberta, and that's not right. So he's going it alone completely privately. So his Southern Cardiology Center in Moose Jaw, 350 bucks you pay. Now, some of it you might be able to have an insurer uh, subsidize some of it, but 350 You get two sets of tests. You get immediate test results. You see a doctor immediately. People who have gone to Dr. Jeff say the experience, he's trying to model it like the Mayo Clinic. And if you've been to the Mayo Clinic, I mean, that is like, ooh, care that you've never experienced here. So I wish him well. Uh, I'm not sure you can run an entire practice on, on, on patient pay, but we wish him well. But the more you start, and this will be the generation of the millennials and the Gen Zs, they're all used to disruption. They live a world of disruption. No one should die because they couldn't afford a doctor. No one should die bankrupt. So let's start that as a principle. We all agree left, right, center politically. But then let's look at efficiencies and ways to eliminate weights, reduce service backlogs. As long as you're into Medicare, and that's the good old Saskatchewan way, you will have the health systems that most provinces have today. And we've talked about that. You drop dead of a heart attack, You'll get some of the best care on planet Earth. Uh, you get a cancer diagnosis, best care on planet Earth. But now we're even seeing delays in cancer biopsies. You know, our health professionals are the best. It's the administration that has these long waits, these systems that really weed you out if you wait long enough. And I don't think you deserve that. 877, but again, I'm a right-wing zealot because I believe in things like a tiered form of health care. All right. Back to the calls on Bugs Day, the hour of rage on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Pay attention to me, boy. I'm not just talking to hear my head roar. Worst day of my life. What do you think? What in Judas Rockin' Priest is going on around here? Homer Mitch! Bugs Day, the hour of rage. Oh, I must be quick. They tell me, Abraham, thanks for hanging on, sir. Buffy St. Marie. Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. Well, 
I just got word here uh, today that she's going to be uh, she's nominated for the International Emmy Awards for uh, Carried On, uh, challenging account of this cultural music icon's lifelong commitment and sharing the truth. Buffy shares her story of love. You know what? I'm really getting tired of that. I'm just wondering when uh, FSI is going to call her out because they did call out the other pretendian there, uh, the uh, Mary Ellen Turfell. They did back her up and then they retreated that and they said they don't want, uh, they didn't back her up. So maybe they should be doing the same as well. And uh, you know that's a real slap in the face face for us Indigenous to continue this. You know uh, there was other people that got duped like uh, you know the guy out of. Uh, Muscadet there, uh, you know, he was behind uh, uh, Chester Knight, and uh, he got duped, and uh, he, he lost out on a lot of opportunity and jobs because of that. So I'm hoping they uh, rescind all the everything that she's won, because that's all fraud. Yeah, you know, the Emmys are pretty myopic, I mean, into showbiz. Maybe the Emmys never caught the story, because Canada doesn't mention, even rate. Maybe somebody should just send that story to the Emmys and say... Hey, you do know this. Speaking of fakery, Tom in Choiceland, uh, the Don Walker case has got you watching things. Well, yes. Um, I think um, that she should have to pay every uh, penny back of the money to the taxpayers of Saskatchewan. Yep. Every penny. The fact that there was no restitution order at all. I thought brought the administration of justice into disrepute. I mean, I get the, you know, the, the serve your sentence at home. She's not a high risk to hurt people or reoffend, but the fraudulent act, and she's never going to be accountable for paying that back. Well, she should be able to, like, what, like, and who's responsible to go in after her for, for our taxpayers' money? Who, whose job is that? The Crown. The Crown prosecutor, and they didn't. Jim, very quickly in Rokenville, sir, what's up on Bugs Day? Okay, the question is, I thought uh, Quebec opted out of the uh, carbon tax that the rest of Canada is in. Yep, they did. Okay, how do they get to vote on it then? If they opted out, they should be give up their right to vote. Indeed they should, but the Bloc Quebecois would like to opt out of Canada, yet they get the right to be in Parliament. Uh, no, Quebec had a cap and, has a cap-and-trade system where they now actually pay anything. Uh, that's just the way Quebec rolls. Coming up, it's been a while since we checked in, and it's this month's check-in with Saskatoon's Police Chief Troy Cooper. And he's announced, of course, he's retiring, too. <laughs> we'll talk with Chief Cooper next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.